We want to welcome you all to Love Your City podcast this fine and sunny day in Toowoomba. Yes. Welcome, Sam. Thank you, Tish. I'm just, I'm just actually reflecting on our conversation before I hit record there about pumpkin soup and bacon and how this time of year, yes. I mean, is there ever a time of year when bacon's not a good thing, but particularly in this colder weather? In this cold weather, freezing weather, pumpkin soup and bacon is good, but bacon's not good for you, Sam. Take, well, <laughs> Take I, that's probably a topic for a different podcast yes, entirely, but uh, I'll keep eating my bacon. You do. Don't uh, feel <laughs> convicted by me at all. But um, we've done an interview with, well, mm. I've done an interview with yes. a guy called Colin Studley. What I love about our nation is um, there's older men mm. who are still on the cutting edge uh, of voices to us yeah. as young people and uh, to our nation. You told me this was your most favourite um, episode out of 49 episodes. How yes. come? Look, uh, I've known Colin now, I'm just trying to think, um, probably for about 15 years. Um, he, he's in the in the Baptist stream in Queensland mm-hmm. here. And uh, I can't speak highly enough of him. Um, he's been an incredible support for me personally. Uh, from a distance, he's in Brisbane, we're in Toowoomba. Um, but just... I just—he's the sort of guy when you when you sit down and chat with him in whatever context, whether it's on the phone or in person or over Zoom, you just come away feeling like you can take on the world. Uh, he just just champions you and speaks so much life and positivity into you, um, and uh, that's probably the the uh, the disclaimer before saying this was my favorite. That could be why it's my favorite, um, but the, the the stuff he talks about, I think he's a prophetic voice, right? Mm, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. And uh, I think he was a prophetic voice, particularly to the church in the way that we do church and the way that we be church before COVID-19. But it's like this current season has both accentuated, but also raised the significance of what he's saying, because it is a time for innovation. It's a time for reflecting. It's a time when everything is off the table for the church of asking ourselves, what are we going to put back on as restrictions ease? And Colin has some incredible things to say. He sure does. So I hope... (laughs) All our listeners out there, enjoy them as much as you do. Yes, did. absolutely. Now, Tish, there's a very important other thing to say that yeah. um, that uh, we need to remind our listeners of is our next episode mm. will be our 50th. Mm-hmm. Amazing. 50 are you, years. Are you, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> the most episodes. underwhelming response I've ever seen you give to something that's pretty exciting. 50 episodes. Okay. It's amazing. Are you thinking of all the hours you've had to sit here talking to me that have gone into those 50 episodes? It's the 50th episode. Our next episode will be our 50th and uh, there's some changes coming, mm-hmm. but that's all we're going to say. Good. Can't Excellent. wait. So enjoy Tisha's interview with Colin Studley. Great to be joined this morning by Colin Studley, based in Brisbane. He runs a leadership consulting service to the body of Christ um, around Australia you speak in Bible colleges, you help consult around church planting. So you're, you've got your fingers in a lot of pie, Colin. I do. I like pie. So I get <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, uh, I think it's because I probably thrive where there's a lot of diversity. So I yeah. enjoy the, the diversity of, of being engaged with things, many things, different things. Church planting is probably the heart of it. Okay. But also, uh, Leadership coaching and the development of young leaders is pretty mm-hmm. mm. And you've also, um, you rattle around the Movement Day world and have a passion for the body of Christ in a city. Um, where did that passion begun come from? Yes, indeed. I have begun. You know, I, I confess my sins to my brothers and sisters, but Good. I remember many times I would hear about Movement Day and I would say, oh, I must get to that. And then this particular year, um, the Holy Spirit says, don't put it off again. So I got myself along. So yeah, I, 
I've been grateful to be a part to um, see um, your father in action and uh, observe all the others that are that are you know invested in the movement day thing I, I love what's coming from the US and the UK and, mm. and so I'm I'm uh, uh, very privileged to be walking along that track and encouraging others to do so and working with a number of people about Brisbane yeah hopeful of seeing something develop that will be a, um, a, a loving our city action uh, we're looking forward to something like that yeah i mean how important in this day and age is the body of christ the unity of the body in a city yeah yeah exactly we, we talk about the value of unity and um we every now and again we we see it just mm -hmm. every now and again temporarily um i think the big challenge and what movement day helps us to do is that we we get to actually develop uh, a unity and focus on it and keep it as our obedience in one direction for a long period of time. And we find when we do that, all sorts of things start to break out and uh, we can, we can love our city meaningfully. We can actually stand alongside one another when we're going through difficulty mm. and uh, believe that what God has, he, he has for the whole body, not, mm. not, not just part of it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm of the view that, the, when we first started as the body of Christ in the world, we were, we were focused on cities. Mm. We, we, our, our, um, our approach was very uh, minimalist in sense of not, not fancy, not big, not vast, very simple, very fluid, very organic, very natural. And, and when you read all the histories, you know, you read of the, the key players were, women and slaves and traveling business people and you realize yes yes lord this is a day like that call us again call the call the people that have been left on the sidelines you know call mm. them and yeah. I, I just think it's going to be it's a great time and uh, i think i love the fact that we're coming into an age where for example um, we're going to take the role of women more seriously that that will be just such a boon for people like me i mean I will, i'll be cheering for that um, we we need to take that more seriously, but you know just that that sense of loving our city and creating a unity that's lasting, not just for a particular event, but something yeah. which is a year by year growing thing, investing yeah. into people's lives. Yeah, it's the way forward. What's your passion for Brisbane? What would you like to see God do in your city? In Brisbane, we've got a lot of really good people doing some really good, amazing things in their regions. So my interest is to encourage leaders to, to just come together, love one another, commit themselves to one another out of reverence for Christ, mm. and then find ways together to love Brisbane and Redland and Logan <laughs> and, and all of them. I mean, I see um, some really creative things being done by networks in local areas, and you don't want that to stop, but... Mm just something that that actually highlights to the city of brisbane and the city of logan etc that jesus is actually quite interested in their welfare and he he has something to say about their welfare and he wants to invest his people to being part of seeing the welfare of the city established in favor of god in all our relationships I mean, doesn't it break your heart when we, we continue to see in our cities 
um, DV, just mm -hmm. domestic violence, just out of control. I mean, it just breaks your heart. It, you know, when you see young women who who are pregnant and are trying to work their way through that issue, yeah. and, and they're doing it alone. And, and people who, who feel so lost in themselves, they, they take their own lives. We, there's so much to do. We could make the, the city so much better, a beautiful yeah. place to live. You know, like a, I don't know, I'm rattling on here, but no. being fully human, you know, the purpose of the gospel was to create people, not people who are spiritual and go to heaven, but who are fully human, the best human beings they can be, just invested selflessly in the others. You know, living accountable, vulnerable lives, creating genuine community. Just, I know it sounds like, you know, a bit Pollyanna-ish and pie in the sky, but I reckon that's what the gospel is about to create people who are fully human and where they're in, their emotions and their will and their mind are fully engaged. And uh, yeah. I think, I think when, we, when we let the gospel loose and stop making it just about your sins and going to heaven, that, yeah. that'll be a great day. <laughs> and it'll be a great day for our cities because we'll have more energy for seeing, oh, hang on, I should be doing something about our cities. Yeah. So, um, the gospel growing like this, that's that's what I want to see. Yeah. No, you're, you're painting a beautiful picture there of, um, yeah, God's intentions for the church and a city. May it come. And I think it's beginning to break out in small ways. How important is this current season um, in, yeah. in seeing that happen, do you think? Yeah. I think it's one of those times. Isn't it funny? Pandemics. Here we've got a pandemic. And you'd have thought, You'd have thought, oh, well, if we can't have our Sunday morning meetings, oh, what's going to become of the church? In actual fact, it's perfect. It couldn't be better. What God is, is opening up to us is that actually we can sustain the mission. We can complete the task he has for us. This doesn't stop us. This sets us free. Mm. This loosens the binds to staying within our walls. It, it gives us the chance to breach our walls and to enter into the, um, the gospel encounters with our cities and our towns and our villages. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those times. <laughs> um, and we live in it. I, I think that's the remarkable thing. We live at one of those times yeah. and where, where something could really shift. And the things I think will shift are we'll get a better reason than we've got right now for gathering for a start. And the better reason for gathering is going to help us to understand what we've got to do when we scatter. And um, so I, I actually think this is a beautiful opportunity that sculpted by the Holy Ghost himself, just creating here. Here is a guilt-edged opportunity. And we are alive at the time when it's offered. So good. I mean, Seriously, you could cheer for that. Thank God you let me live to see this. Now, I'm an old guy now, but I got to tell you, I'm up for it. Yeah. Um, this is too good an opportunity for us. And uh, so for me, the pandemic, yeah, it's tinged, it's tinged with sadness because there are people who've lost significantly. Um, I was reading the story just the other day of, of a woman who lost both her mother-in-law and her father-in-law. Mm. And you can't even begin to fathom that. And I think, too, of the, the young 
young man I heard and his wife both working two jobs to sustain the family. The lockdown starts and their companies, both of them had to let them go. How many, how many times did that happen? And then the little girl becomes ill on top of it. I mean, this is not an easy season for some of us and I'm not unaware of that. But I see an opportunity strategically for us to learn that in actual fact, not only does the gospel want us to want to actually develop people who are fully human, fully engaged with the creation and the covenant, but also to actually um, give us a stronger reason for being and as the church in the world. And so this is for me, one of those marvelous moments when I'm so grateful to God to be a part of something that he is doing. Yeah, I mean, Australia, we've gotten off quite um, lightly, it would seem, and, you know, we're they're beginning to open up restrictions. How do we right now as, as leaders in our city position ourselves so we don't go back to normal? Um, because I think we're so in danger. We haven't been in abnormal <laughs> or different yeah. for long enough. Yeah. But practically speaking, how can we position ourselves? I, look, I, I believe that the, there are three simple strategies which I've actually championed in my dealings with with pastors and leaders in my work uh, they're not in any particular order of priority um, the first one is that i think in this context leaders need prophetic and apostolic people generally around them and they and they need to actually be engaging these people if the leadership of the church stays centred on shepherds and teachers, we won't have the capacity to answer the questions that are coming. We need the apostolic, yeah. prophetic, the, the apostle, prophet, evangelist. We need those three. We, we actually, I think the Holy Spirit is creating space for them to come now. So what I think leaders should do is where they see men and women functioning in those ways, don't give them a title. Don't give them a job description, God forbid. Um, just get alongside them and, and, and start to sense where they're going and what they're seeing. So I think that's going to be something that will help a great deal. Secondly, all is I think leaders should be going to their congregations now. They should be um, having conversations. What is the Spirit saying to us? Where do we go next? What's important? Championing that we need a, a, a new normal or a better normal, if you like. Um, rather than simply going back and trying to rebuild. I think the conversations right now, churches that have conversations only at leadership level are mm. going to have an existential crisis. They've got to be talking to their people. Mm. They've got to persuade them. They've got to um, tell them stories. They've got, to, they've got to envision them with the fresh opportunities, the emphasis on marketplace, the engaging in neighbourhoods. The, the, the permission giving for people to break into the mission of, of the Lord Jesus. And uh, it, I believe that when churches stop trying to be the centre of the universe, they're going to thrive. They're going to thrive. So what do you mean by that, this, the church being the centre of the universe? Well, whenever we, you know how we historically, as, I, as a boy, we thought that the central thing was to set up a service on Sunday yeah. and attract people to us. 
we thought of ourselves as being they come to us. Mm. That's that center of the universe kind of stuff is not only outdated, it's now superseded by an opportunity that the Holy Spirit is giving us right now in these times. Mm -hmm. So we've got to actually now not only operate as leaders with the whole of the APES, but then get our church people, talk to them, have Zoom conversations with them now, start writing things that they can understand and grapple with and ask questions about. Because if they come with us, then the whole gather scatter thing will have a better balance. Right now it's gather. Yeah. But, you know, scatter hardly shows up. We yeah. need both to come out like that. We're not attractional or incarnational. We've got to be both. Yeah. So that's the second thing. Do you know the third thing? Um, Woodward and White wrote a book, she's uh, four years ago now, um, The Church as Movement. Really good little book if you haven't read it. Mm -hmm. really practical, really helpful. In the book, it says, it, it describes discipleship, um, learning the way of Jesus on mission, learning the way of Jesus on mission. And those, that's a really great way of describing what's before the church right now. Leaders, that, do that. Honestly, the churches that create disciples who are learning the way of Jesus on mission they're mm -hmm. the ones going to thrive in this new environment because the Holy Spirit is, has actually tailored the environment for a multiplying disciples um, strategy. Simple. The, I, yeah. Can't, yeah. I can't claim credit for it. Jesus invented it himself. So I can't claim any credit for it. But yeah. this yeah. is where we are now. And I think it's one of those brilliant moments. And that's what I would recommend to leaders. Mm -hmm. no, fantastic. Uh, the last question for you today, I, I know your big passion around church planting. Um, if if um, you were to go out and plant a church tomorrow, what would it look like? Um, look, I, I actually, I would try to do a, um, a multiplying simple church approach. There are several reasons for it. Um, but I think the biggest reason is Australians are used to that big flashy thing. It's good. It's great. I love it. I enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. It suits me fine. But Australians are used to it and they aren't coming. By and large, in my lifetime, from 45% that had a regular contact when I was a boy to 7 or 8% now, mm. yeah, Australians are actually seems to have voted with their feet. My thinking is that if you were going to do church planting now, I'd focus on the, the building blocks for good church planting and good re church revitalization and church replant replanting is always discipleship huddles, always discipleship huddles, but ones that multiply so that you get it right, you get the DNA right from the start. It's not about a Sunday service, but there might be one. Yep. Um, and so you build that that multiplies and the simple operation gives a wider a wider percentage of the body the chance to learn the apest and to put it into into um, uh, operation so you know even if we manage to win the argument on the apest the apostle prophet evangelist shepherd teacher even if we manage to win that and we've got all these big churches and there's only a few people that that dominate those we're we're actually going to watch 
those folk who come in will start to drift out to the edges and then away again. So it's the, the idea of, of a multiplying simple church network that still on it, still, still cooperating with one another, collaborating on th things together, giving to one another generously. I mean, some people say to me, oh, simple churches, that's just house churches, but it's not, it's more than that. It's, it's the church, it's just in miniature. You've still got the eating together. You've still got the Lord's Supper. You've still got the apostles' teaching and prayer and generosity and hospitality and disciple-making. And that, you can still be the church without all the, the big ornate stuff. Will there be a place for the big ornate stuff? Yes, there will. Because even in the early years of the church, the cathedral and some of the best times when the cathedral became the hub for, for things to happen in a region. Mm. And I, I see that day returning. Not that we'll be Catholic or anything like that necessarily, but the idea of being, being um, actually using the big thing to foster the, the work, not, in the big, not for the sake of the big thing, but um, to, for the sake of the, the city. Do you know, one of the saddest things in our history is that Lindisfarne, which was by just an incredible missionary hub, eventually lost its way because the monks became wealthy. Mm. And we've got to watch money. We've got to watch power. We've got to watch our own agendas because there's only one Lord. Uh, I'm sort of, sort of channeling Lord of the Rings here. Uh, there's only one Lord and he does not share his power with anyone else. This kind of uh, operating as, a, as the fully human expression of the living head who is Christ in the world. And um, so for me, that's what I would do. And where, where I can, I foster and encourage that. Yeah, yeah, you do. Well, thank you, um, Colin. That's just been a wealth of wisdom. <laughs> I felt like I've had my own leadership consult consultation. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but no, it's just great to speak to um, men and women who've been in the faith for a long time and gather their wisdom and you're still on the cutting edge and being a prophetic voice in our nation. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks.